This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. Travis said, uh, this is kind of a sequel uh, to last week's sermon that Travis preached about uh, what are you carrying into the new year. Uh, If you missed it, there were wagons, uh, so it's worth catching up on. Um, Yep, you can grab it on our YouTube page, on our podcast uh, just go to our website. You'll figure it out. Um, it is worth listening to if you were not here last week, but I'm kind of carrying on, pun intended, uh, what Travis started last week. Uh, he was talking about the things that we need to leave in the past, uh, things in our past to leave behind in the past, uh, the things that we don't really want to bring with us into a new year, things that are weighing us down, things that are slowing us down, things that are holding us back, uh, the baggage of past mistakes or things that have happened to us or uh, the lies that we've told ourselves or that others have spoken into our lives. Uh, Yeah, all that bad stuff. And the good news, the good news that Travis preached about last week is that God wants to and is able to take those things off us. As we surrender them to him, we can leave the old things behind. So the missing piece of that picture uh, that Travis very graciously left out of his sermon to give me the time uh, to spend on it this morning, uh, the kind of question that should be in the back of your mind if you were here last week is, if that's all the stuff we should leave behind... What's all the stuff that we should be carrying with us into the new year? Uh, So that's what we're going to look at this morning. I wonder if you are the sort of person who makes New Year's resolutions. Some people do. Do Put up your hand if you do. Be brave. Yeah, this this doesn't surprise me at all. I think it's one of these things that is in our culture that is in all the news stories and it's on your news feed, on your Facebook or Instagram, whatever you do. Uh, It's kind of in the zeitgeist, whatever that word means. But no one actually does it, do we? Really? Um, You know, uh, maybe your resolution uh, is just to get through another year. Maybe your resolution is to, uh, you know get a bit better in, in vague general terms. But you're not setting yourself your, your smart goal, are you? Um, but I want to challenge us this morning uh, that there are some things that we might want to kind of aim for uh, as we enter into a new year. Uh, not because it's a new year, but just because it's a good opportunity to just give it some thought uh, and spend some time considering what is next in my life. Uh, Not necessarily this year, but just what's the next thing? What's the thing that is coming, the thing that I'm entering into? Um, And I think some of you are already starting to feel a little sense of dread, a little nervousness that comes with this kind of topic. Um, We can quickly start to feel pressure. Oh, Johnny's going to preach a sermon about all the things that God expects of me. God wants me to to read my Bible every day 
And God wants me to talk to that person who I'm finding it really hard to forgive. And God wants me to do this, and God wants me to, to be a missionary, and God wants me to... All this list of should things. I should do this, I should do that. Uh, and we layer these things upon ourselves. I should give up that bad habit. I should take up that good habit. Uh, and so... Uh, I want us to kind of face up to that, uh, but consider a little bit more nuanced, a little bit more carefully, uh, what all those shoulds actually mean and what the context of the things that God asks of us, uh, what is the context of that? Uh, and so I've got a great passage for us to look at. Uh, hang on. We'll come to that when we read it. Uh, a great passage for us to look at uh, in the book of 2 Peter, uh, which if you have a Bible with you, just open to the back page and then like go back a few pages. It's right near the end. Uh, this is a letter from a guy that you might have heard of called Simon Peter, who was one of the apostles. In fact, it was kind of the apostle. Um, he's, he's got a bit of main, main character energy in the Gospels. Uh, and he wrote this letter to Christians, uh, you know, after the church had become established. Uh, and I want to read to you verses, chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. This is what Peter writes to the church. He's talking about Jesus. He says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess all these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins." Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So I want to draw your attention to the kind of book ends of what I just read. Uh, the bit at the start and the bit at the end. Uh, we're going to deal with the bit in the middle, second. Is that confusing anyone? No? Okay, good. Um, so, I've, I've listed them for you there on the slide so you can follow. Uh, the stuff that happens in verses 3 and 4, and in verses 10 and 11, uh, are like this. God has given us everything we need God has given us his great and precious promises. God has made it possible through his spirit that we may participate in the divine nature. God has called us. God 
has elected us, and God has promised that He will give us a rich welcome home into the eternal kingdom of Jesus. How good! Isn't that good? Good. Very good. Wonderful. Uh, Hopefully that relieves some of that pressure that you were starting to worry at the beginning of this sermon. Because the news is, God has. God has given us, God has done for us the things that we need, everything that we need for a godly life. And then some. And so the pressure that you feel, perhaps, to shape up, the pressure that you feel to do a better job, to be a better Christian, He has done it for you. This is wonderful news. And, and Peter uses these truths and these reminders as a kind of framework around which he puts the calls to action that live in those middle verses. He's sort of saying this is the context, the context of the call to act, the call to make every effort. It's a phrase he uses twice is not make every effort pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. It's make every effort in the context of the fact that God has already done everything that is needed. How good. So then, let me turn my page. Um, Are you into sport? I'm into sport. I watch pretty much any sport there is. Uh, And I thought of a good sporting analogy for this. I think sometimes we think of God as the referee. You know, you're, you're the player on the field playing the, the game of life, and God is the referee. He's kind of running around the field watching what you do. Uh, he's checking to make sure that you do the right things, that you follow all of his rules, and he's got his whistle ready to blow if you step out of line, if you make a mistake, if you do the wrong thing. But actually, what Peter is saying here is that God is, is more like the, the captain slash coach. Uh, it's a role, role you don't normally get at the high levels of sport. Uh, but, you know, if you're, if you're in a little bit more of an amateur context, uh, the coach is often a player on the field and is the captain of the team as well as the coach. And I think that's what Jesus is like in our lives. He is here doing it with us. He's teaching us and and coaching us and helping us and assisting us. He's on the field as a teammate, as a fellow player, even though he's also taking on that authoritative role of the coach and the, the captain of the team, giving instruction and encouragement, even as he works alongside us. So, what do we do with all of that? Well, we do, firstly, the things that Travis preached last week that kind of uh, are tucked in here in this passage uh, right at the end of verse 4. It talks about leaving behind the corruption that is in the world. Uh, many of the things that Travis talked about last week, uh, you know, with the chains and the bags and all that stuff... Uh, they come from and are caused by the corruption that is in 
this world. And as we leave those things behind, as we leave behind uh, the, the bad stuff, uh, we're leaving behind uh, the causes and the consequences. And I think Peter's a little bit more focused on the causes than the consequences here. Uh, and he's sort of saying, uh, you have a new life in Jesus, and Jesus has dealt with this stuff, and therefore you should leave it behind. We are to flee. We are to escape from the corruption in the world. Uh, what, he's not saying that we should live in a little holy huddle and cloister ourselves away uh, from any outside influence from the world. But he is saying that we should live in the world in a way that we are working and making an effort to avoid the corrupting influence of these things. Why? Well, because we know that the things that seem to entice us are actually the things that are doing us harm. These fleeting desires for pleasure or power or control, we know that these things are going to harm us, even destroy us, if we continue to go after them. We need to remember what God has given us. Remember all these things that we have in Christ. Remember what he has made possible for us, what he has called us to and for, and what he has promised is coming next. No fleeting, false, corrupting pleasure in this world is worth going after compared to this stuff. So then, the meat of the sandwich, supplement your faith. Make every effort to add to your faith. Goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. Because without these things, your knowledge of the Lord Jesus will be ineffective and unproductive. Notice he doesn't say, if you're not doing these things, then you're not a real Christian. And he doesn't say, if you're not doing these things, then you're not going to be saved. These are not requirements to receive the good promises and the gifts of God. Rather, the true knowledge of Christ, not just knowledge about Christ, but actually knowing him personally, that knowledge of Christ is going to produce these things as a kind of natural byproduct. The new nature that we have been given by God in Jesus makes these things grow and flourish. And yet, there is still that double call, twice in a couple of verses, to make every effort. We have to work to allow these things to grow 
and to flourish. We have to work uh, kind of against our own sinful nature to let God change us, to make these things flourish, and to continue to see ourselves as both changed and changing by His grace. I think that's what Peter means uh, when he talks about whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. That's verse 9, if you're following along. I think what he's saying is, if you think you've already made it, if you're comfortable and happy just how you are, if you think that you don't need to change any further, if you think you've made it, then it's as if you're blind, or at least nearsighted, that you can't see just how great the promises of God are, and just how wonderful the things are that He wants for you. And, in fact, it's as if you've completely forgotten the progress you've already made so far. It's easy for us to live in that kind of nearsighted way, to just be like, well, this is me, this is who I am, I like me, people seem to like me, let's just stay here. And he's saying, well, no, there's a big story here. Remember who you were once? See how far you've come now? Consider where you're heading next? You're just in this particular moment on this journey. Don't get too comfortable right here. This is not the destination. So, here's the question this morning, here and now. What do you want to do with all of this? Which of these changes do you want to see happening in your life in this next season? Let's say in the next 12 months. It's the beginning of a year. That's a good a mark, as good a marker as any. What do I want to see change in my life? And how do I want to see growth take place in these seven things? Do I want more goodness? Do I want to be a better person? Do I want to live a life that is more obedient to the kind of life God is calling me into? Jesus is good. Grow in his goodness this year. Maybe I want more knowledge. I want to know God better, not just know about Him, but know Him more and more. Uh, in the lead up to Easter, uh, which is not that far away, I'm sorry to say, um, I had this idea, this dream, uh, that we could read the Gospel of Matthew together. Uh, the, some of the women in the Flourish crew uh, have been doing this. They've kind of found Bible reading plans online. They share it with each other. Uh, they read kind of a synchronized personal reading time, and they sort of say, oh, what did you think of this? Oh, I didn't understand that. And they're kind of doing it alone, but also doing it together. So I'm going to read Matthew uh, with a Bible reading plan, starting in the middle of February and going right up till Easter. Um, and if you want to join me, I'll share the link, and we can do it together. Um, I might, I'll, I'll post some info about it on Facebook for you. Um, 
Anyway, I got sidetracked there. Knowledge. Next one, self-control. Do you want to grow in self-control to kind of grow your, your moral muscles? The, the ability to hold your tongue when you want to say something cruel and mean. Uh, the ability to stop yourself from scrolling mindlessly through social media and, and put it down and do something more meaningful. Do you have a bad habit? Do you really want to break? Or a good habit? Do you really want to start? We need the power and the prompting of the Holy Spirit to be self-controlled. Doing it on our own effort doesn't seem to work. This year, maybe the thing you're really hungry for on this list is this next one. Perseverance. The ability to keep going when life is really tough. Uh, I know there's a whole bunch of you here who are thinking, oh, New Year's resolution to be a better person. I don't have the headspace for that. I'm just trying to get through each day. Well, actually, that can be the thing that you go for this year. To grow in our ability to persevere, to keep going, to stick at it when we just want to give up. And we can't, again, do that on our own efforts. But we can grow in that. We can let Jesus change us and strengthen us and equip us for more, more strength to stick at it. Do you want more godliness? That's a big one. That's a big word. Uh, I think what that may, means is basically, do you want to be more like Jesus this year? Do you want to be more prayerful, more worshipful, not just in the songs, but in your heart? Wouldn't it be great to grow in godliness and holiness this year? Maybe, we're nearly there, you want more, what, what does it call it, mutual affection? Uh, this is brotherly love in the old translation. Um, mutual affection sounds kind of weird to me, but anyway, um, <laughs> translators struggle with this word, I think. But this is this idea that you want to genuinely love your brothers and sisters in Christ. And maybe you find that Christians are hard to get along with. Maybe you find that some of them are hypocritical and some of them let you down. Some of them frustrate you or disappoint you. How do you grow in genuine affection? for your spiritual family. Maybe for you this year, you want to step into that more. To invest the time, to step out of your comfort zone, to make a new friend who might be sitting in this room, someone you don't really know yet and you'd like to get to know, to make those connections. And if there's bitterness or resentment or unforgiveness, to process that, to work through that, and to see Jesus work in that, to see him change your heart, to see them as Jesus sees them, flawed but forgiven and loved. Which leads us neatly to the final one in the list, love. Uh, and this is a different word to the word that they've translated 
mutual affection here. Um, they actually two words for love, but Greek has lots of words for love. Unlike English, we just use love. And I think uh, if the translators had said, um, well, let me read it in context, what does it say? Uh, to godliness, love, and to love, love. You wouldn't know what it meant. So they had to use this weird phrase, mutual affection. But this is love, as the other one was love. Uh, if you're a Greek nerd, Philadelphia is that mutual affection word, and agape is this word they translated as love. So this love is not just affection. It's not just liking someone. Uh, this love is actually uh, a lot different to that sense of connection or comradeship. Uh, this is charitable love. This is generous, self-giving love. A love that is in action, not in feeling. Uh, hopefully, we can have both those kinds of love working in parallel. Uh, but to grow in the love of agape is to grow to have a heart like Jesus who went and died for sinners on a cross. That's the perfect example of this kind of love. And actually, I think that uh, Peter's done a very clever thing in, in putting the list like this and finishing with this word agape, this word love, uh, because this kind of love is actually the key to all of the things that come before it. And you can kind of work your way back up the list as you grow in love. It enables us to experience more mutual affection as we forgive those who've hurt us and let us down. It makes us more able to love God and therefore grow in our godliness. It helps us to focus on others and less on ourselves, which can be a key to growing in perseverance in our trials. It can help us to care for others and ourselves uh, and help them to persevere in their trials. Uh, but also, uh, it can help us to grow in our self-control uh, as we don't just live for our own pleasure because we're not thinking of ourselves so much, but we're thinking of the needs of those around us. It can help us to know God because as John says, God is love, and it is the key foundational virtue to grow in goodness. So, here's your challenge for today and for this week. Uh, and this kind of is going to work in, in connection with uh, what Travis has given you at the door as you came in, uh, to spend a moment in reflection. Uh, maybe you need to spend extra time on this. Uh, you might want to look at these seven things, these seven aspects, and think, what does God want me to grow in this year? Not just what do I want to get better at, but what is God challenging me and calling me and, and encouraging me as that captain and coach to say, we're going to work on this this year. What aspect do you want to be growing in, in ever-increasing measure? I think too many of us, and I include myself in this, too many of us can get kind of stagnant. We get comfortable with where we are and with who we are. When we first knew Jesus, 
we grew and we changed and it was exciting and there was so much happening. Uh, maybe when we were younger and we were growing and maturing in all sorts of ways, uh, our growth and maturity in Christ could kind of move in parallel with that and that felt natural and that felt normal. And at some point we thought, this will do. I'm comfortable. That's close enough. I'm certainly better than that person over there, that tax collector. But actually, those bits of us that we've excused, that we've overlooked, where we've said, oh, you know, it's just my personality, I'm just a bit rough around the edges, and people have to just deal with that. Maybe this year it's time to have a look at that. That habit that we've had such a long time that we kind of know it's probably not that good for us or not that good for those around us, but it's not doing that much harm. It's not that big a deal. Maybe now is the time to take a look at that. And those things that we've tried to change and tried again and tried again a hundred times, maybe this year is the year when God's going to change it and it's going to stick. So let's try 101 times. I'm going to pray for us now as the band comes up. Uh, and I'm going to pray uh, through these things, uh, through this passage for us. Um, and if there is something kind of stirring in your heart from these seven things, um, it could end up being the thing that you write in your prayer for this year uh, on your 2024 invitation. Uh, or it could be something, something different uh, that God's speaking to you today or has been speaking to you these last few weeks. Um, but let's make, as Peter says, make every effort in these things. Shall we pray? Uh, Lord Jesus, we praise you. We praise you for your divine power that has given us everything we need for a godly life. We praise you for your great and precious promises. We praise you that you have the power and that you have overcome the world already at the cross and in your resurrection. And in the context of that, and in acknowledging all that you have done, Lord, we want to let you do that stuff in here, in our hearts. Lord, we want to let you change us and change uh, the things in us that still need to be changed, uh, the ways in which your gospel needs to shape and affect how we speak and how we act and the choices we make and the habits we form. Uh, and Lord, we acknowledge that so many of these things can't just be done by our own human efforts. Lord, we need you to change us. Lord, stop us from getting complacent and stop us from getting discouraged. Lord, give us uh, a fresh filling of your spirit this morning. Uh, and Lord, we offer ourselves up to you uh, that you would do the work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. 
To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.info.